What's up, you guys? It is your boy, T-Time West, man, and I'm back at it again with another episode of Talks with T-Time, man. I am happy to have you guys back, man. Um, Man, I just want to... They say thank you guys for the love that y'all been showing me. And if you, you know, this is your first time listening to this podcast, go ahead and click that subscribe button on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe to this channel, man. I'm telling you, we've been putting out great content really over the last week and a half, two weeks, man. It's been amazing. I think the last episode had about 45 listens. Man, I completely appreciate you guys continuing to tune in every time I post, man. It's been amazing, man. So I really do appreciate you guys for one. But I do kind of want to give you an overview of what we'll be talking about today. I want to jump right into it. Um, we will cover a little bit of post-draft because I think on um, you know on Friday we really just talked about the draft, you know, the first round and a little bit of the second round. I want to talk about the entire draft. A lot of shockers that fell. I do want to talk about some of the teams that won the draft and some of the teams that lost the draft. People already know how I feel about the Giants, so we'll obviously jump into that. Um, and then also as well, we'll jump into a little bit of NBA playoffs. They are taking, uh, you know, taking place as of right now. That, you know, Warriors and Rockets game was freaking amazing. Uh, we'll talk about that game and, you know, the refs and the calls and things such as that. We'll get into all that good stuff. And then we'll jump into our popular culture segment of of the podcast as well, man. So if this is your first time listening, that's kind of how we do things here. And um, I'm excited. So let's go ahead and get started, man. Let's talk about the draft. Um, a lot of good players came off the board, uh, obviously. Um, a lot of big, you know, big-time playmakers in college came off the board late, too. Um, I just kind of want to go over some big-time draft picks that took place that were a little bit of a, I don't want to say a shocker, but a little bit of a shocker. But guys that you would know very well that are highly sought of, you know, highly thought of and things such as that and how these players kind of dropped in their projections. Um, One of the first guys I want to talk about is a guy by the name of Kelvin Harmon, a wide receiver out of NC State. I mean, this guy is super talented. And I think he fell all the way in the sixth round to the Washington Redskins. And I want to talk about the Redskins a little bit because I feel like, personally, they had the best draft. Um, the Redskins had a tremendous draft. I mean, they really, you know, picked up a lot of good pieces in Washington. And, like, you know, that there's always a joke cracked on Washington that, you know, uh, Snyder don't know how to, you know, draft and stuff like that. I mean, people are always cracking jokes on Washington, D.C. They always are. The, 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 they are Redskins. But I feel like this time Washington really came through, man. I mean, they're one of my, I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler. They're one of my winners of the draft. I mean, they picked up Terry McLaurin, uh, another good wide receiver that goes with Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State, one of his guys, obviously Dwayne Haskins. Then they also picked up, you know, um, Bryce Love. So, I mean, they they did a lot of really good moves that I thought was pretty impressive, man. I was very impressed by what, you know, the Redskins did. They did a great job, but we'll jump into them later. Uh, but it was a lot of, like, kind of shockers, like, wow, how did this person fall so low? Wow, how did this person? Even um, as far as Dakota Allen from Texas Tech, I mean, a lot of people thought he was going to be a fourth, fifth round pick, and he turned out to be the last pick in the draft. So I thought that was pretty interesting to see how people fail and how people, you know, came up and things such as that. It was really kind of neat to see. Um, and it was very interesting, man. It was very interesting. Another steal I thought was Miles Gaston to, uh, you know, the Dolphins at the seventh round. Miles Gaskins is a really good player. And um, I thought personally him going that late was kind of a shocker to me. Also as well, Mac Wilson, even though he had a kind of rough year this past year, for him to go, you know, in the fifth round to, you know, an already loaded up Cleveland team, I thought Cleveland, that's another team that 
we'll talk about. I mean, I just thought they had a tremendous draft. I mean, they just got Greedy Williams, got, you know, Mac Wilson. I mean, they loaded up. They're another team that I thought did a very good job, man. And then also Denver. Denver's another team that did a great job. I think they got their quarterback of the future in Julak. They also wrapped up and got Dalton Risner also as well, Noah Fant. And then also as well, another good guy in, you know, Dramont Jones on at D-Tackle in the third round. They did a really impressive job. I was very impressed with Denver's draft. Like, if I had to give Denver a grade, I'd give them like a B plus. I think they did a really good job. They really, you know, got at some of their needs. And also as well, they're going to give their quarterback of the future some time to kind of prepare himself. Uh, Miami is another team that I thought did a great job in the draft, obviously getting Christian Wilkins. And if you're really being honest, they really got two, you know, picks because they really got also as well um, Josh Rosen out of the deal. So I thought they did a great job as well. Um, and that was another team that I thought did a great job on their picks. I would say they probably had a B-plus as well on their picks. I mean, they really nailed it. But the team that did the best in the draft to me, to be completely honest, is that team in Boston. New England Patriots did a tremendous job in the draft. I mean, they almost nailed all their draft picks. They got Nikhil Harry, also as well Chase Winovich, Damian Harris. I mean, Jared Stidham. They did a great job. And in, 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 in they also as well got, you know, Jay, uh, Joe Jawan, and I might be saying his name wrong. I'm sorry if I am. Joe Jawan Williams, which was a, uh, a guy that was also thought to be possibly a first-round pick, and he ended up sliding to the second round. So, the Patriots, I think, had 12 picks in this draft. They did a tremendous job, and they really landed from what it looks like most of their picks. Now, everything, you know, obviously in a year ago, we could be saying, man, they had one of the worst drafts ever. But we don't know yet. It's too soon to tell. But if you're going off what they did in college, the Patriots, to me, had the best draft out of anybody. And that might be just because they had the most picks as well. So the Patriots did a great job as well in their picks. I did want to talk a little bit about my team. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Carolina Panthers and their grade uh, that I would give them, honestly. Uh, personally, now, I did hear Todd Mache have his take on the Carolina Panthers, and he said he felt like they had the worst draft in the NFL. Um, I don't know if he's seen what the Giants did this weekend, but I guess he didn't. But he apparently believes that, you know, the Carolina Panthers had the worst draft in the NFL. I don't think they had the worst I would give the Carolina Panthers a B minus C plus somewhere in that ballpark. The Brian Burns pick is beautiful. I think we all agree that's going to be a great pick. And I think that's also showing that the Carolina Panthers are really, really serious about going to this 3-4. I think they honestly, the way it's looking, they could be running a 3-4 base. So that's something to definitely look out for. And then in the second round, the Panthers moved up to get Greg Little. I'm with Todd Mache on that. I didn't agree with them moving up to get Greg Little, and he did call Greg Little soft. Um, I wouldn't have called him soft, which he kind of is in a way, but I would have maybe used a better term because we haven't even seen him in on the NFL field yet. But I thought Greg Little was not good enough to be that early, to be honest. I feel like you could have got Greg Little where they were at early, later on in the second round, but hey, who knows? Um, probably the most unpopular or popular pick right now with the Carolina Panther fan base would probably be the Will Greer pick. Obviously, with him being a kid from Charlotte, um, a lot of people, you know, like that. And a lot of people don't like Cam Newton, let's just be honest. So a lot of people thought, okay, this could be Cam's replacement. I think it's more so an insurance policy 
with uh, Will Greer. They're just kind of getting him just in case if Cam can't play or if he's hurt, things such as that. Um, the fourth round pick with Christian Miller, I really like that pick. The only problem is he's injury prone. That's my issue with Christian Miller. He can play when he's on the field, but when he's hurt, which is a lot lately especially, you can't use him because he's hurt. In the fifth round, I didn't like this pick at all. Jordan Scarlett from Florida. I thought Trayvon um, Williams would have been a better pick from Texas A&M, and he also was still available at that time as well. I just thought him and Christian McCaffrey would more so go together. Jordan Scarlett, to me, is an average college running back. I mean, somebody you probably could have gotten in the sixth or seventh round. Um, and then at the sixth-round pick, they did pick up Dennis DeLay, um, South Carolina offensive tackle. And then last but not least, who I think might be – <laughs> to be honest, one of the better picks in this draft uh, was Terry Goodwin. Um, Terry Goodwin from, uh, you know, Georgia at wide receiver in the seventh round. I actually really, 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 really like that pick. Honestly, I would have liked that more in the fifth round than Jordan Scarlett, to be completely honest. But I thought that was a pretty good pick. Me, personally, I give the Carolina Panthers a C-plus, B-minus, just because the Greg Little pick. And then also, I feel like where Will Greer is at, we could have definitely used the safety and got, um, you know, Chancey uh, Gardner-Johnson right there. That would have been more so what I would have wanted to do. Um, I don't like the Jordan Scarlett pick, and I really don't even like the Dennis Delaney pick either like that because, at, you know, with him being a South Carolina Gamecocks, I get to see some of their games. And, you know, it was some games he got torched. I mean, he got lit up. So, I mean, I don't know. That's just me personally. I would have preferred – Someone else, I mean, like Josh Allen ripped DeLahey up. DeLay, I mean, he, he tore him up. I mean, I, 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 he really did. He tore him up in the season if you go back and watch the film. But, I mean, it's Josh Allen. So what can you expect? But I personally thought that the Panthers had an, uh, 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 you know, one of those, okay, that's an okay draft, you know. That's how I personally felt about the Panthers draft. It wasn't amazing. But they kind of got everything they needed but safety. We did need a backup quarterback. I think we all agree with that. We definitely needed edge rushers. Edge rushers. I definitely think we agree with that. And I also think we did, you know, in a way, need a backup, you know, quarterback. I think we all agree with that as well. Only ones that I really don't agree with, like I said, is where we pick Greg Williams, uh, Greg Little at, and then also as well, I'm just not feeling a Jordan Scarlett pick. I'm just, I'm not really feeling that pick at all. Um, but that's just how I feel. Like I said, I hope he pans out to be great because now he's on my team. Uh, so I do want to talk about the winners of the draft. We already mentioned a few of them. I have four winners. I have four losers. So we're going to jump into the winners first because, I mean, they're winners. So first, I want to jump into Cleveland, which who I gave one of the higher uh, picks to. I gave Cleveland a B-plus as well. Greedy Williams in the second round, they already didn't have a first pick. I thought was tremendous. Um, as well, I thought Greedy Williams, a lot of people thought this was a first-round talent. I mean, he got picked up in the second round. Um, tremendous pick for Cleveland. I mean, tremendous. And then also as well, I like the Celdrick Redwine pick. I mean, two years ago, he had a tremendous year at, you know, Miami. And that's when they had that, you know, they was bringing out the chain and stuff like that. He had a down year last year because of injuries. And also as well, a lot of defensive scheme changes that they made last year. 
Um, but Cedric Redwine is a very good pick for Cleveland. And I also like the Mac Wilson pick, honestly. I really do like that Mac Wilson pick. I think that's going to be a good playmaker for them down the road. And I'm really interested to see what he does, to be completely honest with you. So I thought they were also one of my winners of the draft. My second winner of the draft, like I just told you guys, was Denver. Noah Fant, Drew Locke, Risner. That is your nucleus. That is your nucleus right there. If you use those guys to build, you're going to be fine. Trust me. You're going to be fine with that nucleus. I thought they did a tremendous job. I really did think they had one of the better drafts, really, in the whole draft. I think they, they had, to me, one of the best drafts. And to me, I don't care what nobody says. I think the Raiders had the best draft. I do. I think the Raiders had the best draft. They got Clean Farrell, who I think is a stud. Josh Jacobs, who I think is a stud. Jonathan Abram, who is a stud. Trayvon Mullins, who's a beast. Then also, as well, they got Hunter Renfro. And then also, the tight end, uh, Foster Morea. I might be saying his name wrong. He's a beast, though. Um, a vertical attack at tight end. I think the Ravens had the best draft to me, personally. I gave the Ravens an A-. To me, the Ravens had the best draft. A lot of people ragged on the Ravens, but to me, they had the best draft. That's just me being completely honest. I love their draft. Now, I do want to talk about some losers in the draft. I do. I want to touch on the losers a little bit. So, I want to go with the first loser, who is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, to me, I, 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 the Devin Bush pick grew on me. But at first, I really did not like it. But Devin Bush grew on me. And then also, as well, Benny Snell is a great pick. But besides that, no one else in this draft I'm really that convinced of. I like Justin Lane, but Justin Lane is very sometimey. That's why he was picked in the third round, because he was really prospected to be a second-round pick. Justin Lane is real sometimey, and I also thought they could have got a better wide receiver than Deontay Johnson from Toledo, me personally. I feel like the Steelers were kind of a loser in the draft, because I'm going to be honest, there's only really three really good picks on here. I would say those are, to me, Devin Bush. I would say Benny Snell. And then I may say Isaiah Bugs, but he's very injury prone too. So that's why I said I don't even know if I can say Isaiah Bugs on this one either. But I regress. I just think the Steelers needed to address a lot more places than what they did. And to be really honest, I didn't think they did that great. I think the second worst you know, the, the guys that did the second worst was, to me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They really only landed, to me, two good picks. I think, honestly, Jamel Dean was a good pick at cornerback because they do need a corner. And then obviously, Devin White. The rest of this, they could have lived without. They really could have. They could have lived without the rest of this, personally, to me. I thought they had one of the worst drafts. And for them, a team that needs a lot, they can't afford to have a bad draft. I, if I would have gave them a draft, I'd give them a D plus. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a bad draft to me. And then last but not least, I hate to say it, I think the Falcons had a bad draft. They got two decent guards that, honestly, their ceilings, we don't know what they are, but we know what their floor is, and it's pretty low. Um, and I, Now, I do like the Kendall Sheffield pick. I really like that pick. And I also like the Quadre uh, uh, only Olison pick. I like that pick too. But the rest of those picks, once again, 
they could live without. I didn't like the Caleb McGarry pick. I thought that was way too rich to get Caleb McGarry. You could have got him in the third round, probably second round. To me, the Falcons were losers in the draft. I give them like a C minus C. But I think Tampa Bay probably was worse than them because at least at least the Falcons got places where they needed needs at. So that was my personal opinion on that. I thought, to me, Tampa Bay had the worst draft out of anybody. I mean, they were not good at all. Devin White and that was and Jamel Dean, that was really it. Everywhere else, they really didn't do much. Um, but, yeah, that's basically the draft, um, you know, recap. We won't be going over any more draft like that no more. But I did want to just get that last recap in. And um, next, we'll be talking about what are the Sixers' chances of getting swept. I think we got to have that conversation. We'll be right back. All right, what's up, you guys? And we are back again at the NBA playoff time uh, segment of the podcast, man. So I want to jump right into it. As I was giving kind of a brief teaser about the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors. So they actually kicked off the second round of the playoffs, which a lot of people believe the second round of the playoffs is really when the playoffs start. The first round is just a bunch of gimme games. The second round is really when the playoffs completely start. And on Saturday, I mean, Toronto just straight routed um, Philadelphia 108 to 95. Kawhi Leonard dropped 45 points, man. I mean, it was he he is playing really good ball right now. And they just looked really, really flat. Um, to me personally, and I'll go over a little bit of the stats just so you guys can see. Like I said, Kawhi Leonard, man, he had a tremendous game. He had 45 points. I mean, this guy was just being he was he was 16 from 23 from the field. I mean, that is super hard to do. He was balling out of his mind, man. So shout out to Kawhi Leonard, man, 45 points. He did his thing, man. And on the losing side, J.J. Reddick had 17 points. J.J. Reddick cannot be your leading scorer, man. He just he cannot be your leading scorer with 17 points. If the Philadelphia Sixers play like that, they're in for a rude awakening, man. But, you know, Ben Simmons kind of low-key had a rough night. Uh, Butler had a rough night as well. And Bede is still hurt. Those guys struggled, but uh, Paul Siakam had a great night, 29 points, um, and also as well, seven rebounds. But me personally, I got a feeling we about to see a sweep or either a Toronto Raptors in five because the 76ers, man, they just look out of sync, man. Now, they do play tonight at 8 o'clock, so they're actually about to play in a few minutes here. Um, And I just feel like they are out of sync right now. I feel like... The injury with Joel Embiid is really affecting their chemistry right now on the floor. Joel Embiid being hobbled also as well with him, to me, being the best player on the team. is just a big dent to their efforts. Um, now, granted, that was the first game and they were away. Now, if they can still win tonight and go 1-1, then we're in four series. But if they lose tonight and go down 0-2, I'm thinking that we're my, and especially, I think game three is a, a you-must-win situation if that happens. Because if they lose three in a row, this is over in four. And they might get one at home because Toronto is known for dropping games. So they may can get one at home. Even if they go down 3-1, it's over. They want to either win tonight or win the next game. Because if it gets to 0-3, it's over. You might as well just go ahead and just call it in. But if they can get it to 1-1 tonight or either, you know, 1-2 or something like that and keep it kind of close, that'll be good. But if it goes 0-3, it's, it's going to be bad for Philly. 
And like I said, I think the main thing is that Joel Embiid's injury is just really, you know, really disabling them as a team right now. They need him to be at 100% healthy, especially in the playoffs, because, I mean, they just looked really out of sync on on Saturday. I mean, they looked rough. I mean, it was bad, man. I mean, it just did not look good, man. So I'm really hoping that Philly can make this game a good competitive series. But to be completely honest, I don't know what the likelihood of that is. Um, also as well, on Saturday night, um, Denver actually closed out San Antonio in Game 7. So now Denver has advanced and they actually play Portland later on tonight. Uh, so San Antonio did get closed out four game, you know, four uh, by four points, 90 to 86. So I am glad to hear that Denver has advanced on because you remember me saying, I feel like if Denver didn't advance on, this was kind of a failure of a season to them. But tonight they do get to go ahead and face, you know, Portland right now, who's hot and rested, which could very well likely be a big problem for um you know, Denver, because Denver just played on Saturday. So now they have to come back around and play again on Monday. And Portland's been sitting out for what, a week now, a week and a half, a half a week. They've been sitting out for a while now, just relaxing. So I think that could be a problem uh, for Denver as well. Good thing is Denver does have this game at home. Me personally, I'm taking Portland. I'm taking Portland in, in five or six. I'm taking Portland to win the series, and I think tonight starts it. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Portland wins tonight, and it may be in blowout fashion. Damian Lillard is playing the best basketball of his career right now, and personally, I think that's going to continue. He is on a high streak, and I think Portland is going to find themselves in the Western Conference Finals more than likely playing Golden State, and we'll talk about that in a few seconds here. Um so I do want to jump into the game that took place on Sunday as well. Another kind of, not really a shocker, but Boston really took it to Milwaukee. I mean, they took it to them, 112-90, to and this was at home. So Boston already got a steal, uh, you know, at Milwaukee, which is huge. Kyrie Irving, once again, is really starting to feel himself now at this point. 26 points. Um, they really did a great job with shutting down Greek Freak. I mean... He only had 22 points, and also as well, he could not find a shot like that. He went 7 from 21 from the field, um, and then also he didn't shoot the free throws well either. He went 50% from the free throw line, so that's a huge problem. But Greek's main problem is he's not a good shooter. That's been his problem all year. So really, this is not really a surprise, but I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. Boston did a tremendous job shutting him down. They played the right amount of defense on him. And I think Brogdon, once again, similar to the 76ers, Brogdon being hurt is playing such a big role in them struggling right now because Brogdon is the type of guy, he's your second best player on your team, but he can make those shots. He can really land those threes. And that's really what they needed in this game was threes because Greek Freak can't shoot. Let's just be real. Greek Freak cannot shoot. He's a good player, but he can't shoot. Middleton didn't play as well either. Middleton, um, you know, he had 16 points, but, you know, he had a pretty good three-point range. He went three for four, but he needs to take some more shots now since Brogdon is hurt. Eric Bledsoe, man, he turned the ball over a good bit. He made a lot of, like, not so good. Like, he made some bad mistakes, and he only got six points on the night. So they just really struggled against Boston. Boston took it to him. Al Horford, man. I don't know what this guy is, but every time he get in the playoffs, he just ball out, man. He had 20 points, you know, and also 11 rebounds and three blocks. I mean, Al Horford turned it on. I mean, he's one of those guys, again, that you're going to have to continue to watch out for in the playoffs. Similar to Rondo. 
If Rondo gets to the playoffs, he's just a different player, man. And Al Horford is very similar. He was like that in Atlanta as well. He's just a different type of player when he gets into the playoffs. And Al Horford really was a key component to that win. And also, Jalen Brown had a good game. He had 19 points. Jason Tatum, though, he did struggle. He only had four points. In 30 minutes, four points. Come on, Tatum. You got to do better than that. But thankfully... Jalen Brown stepped up, took 36 minutes, and really, you know, took kind of what Jay, Jason Tatum spot would have been. So I honestly think that um, I think that the Celtics may win this thing in six or seven. I think this could go to seven, but I think the Greek freak is going to have to find a shot. And I think also as well, Middleton and Bledsoe are going to have to continue to step up if they want to win this series. But as of right now, man, it seems like the Celtics are really just clicking. And it's so crazy because a few weeks ago, we were just talking about how the Celtics were struggling and we don't know if they're going to make it. They don't like each other. And now to see to where they looking really impressive and look like the team we thought they were going to be. So it's just amazing to kind of see what the Celtics have done, man. And uh, I'm really impressed with them, man. I really am. And then, obviously, I want to jump into the game that everybody was talking about last night. And that is the Houston Rockets taking on the Golden State Warriors in the Oracle. Man, I want to talk about that game a little bit as well. Very, very, very competitive game. It was so fun to watch. Um, You know, it was high intensity, man. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed watching that game. I enjoyed every minute of that game. Um, it was really, like I said, it was fun to watch. The Warriors did win 104 to 100. So a really good game. James Harden did have 35 points. Also as well, Kevin Durant. I mean, we got to have a conversation about Kevin Durant as one of the best players in the NBA right now, if not the best. Um, Kevin Durant's been, ever since he said, you know who I am, you know who I am. Ever since he said that. He's been averaging like 40 points a game. This guy been balling out of his mind. So we got to have a conversation about Kevin Durant. But Kevin Durant, man, 35 points, man. He balled out. And, you know, Steph and Clay actually kind of a little bit struggled in this game. I think Steph only had 18. And then also as well, Clay also only had 13 points. So they struggled a lot. But KD, man, 43 minutes. He really been carrying the team on his back. Um, and I think Draymond also made some key stops down the lane as well and, and, you know, deep in that game there. But also as well, I want to give a shout-out to Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon is another guy that people need to watch out for, man. He had 27 points. He's one of those guys as well that kind of similar to, you know, um, Al Horford. Playoff time, man, Eric Gordon shows up. So he's definitely a guy you also want to keep your eyes on as well. But he had a tremendous game. Chris Paul had 17 points. Um, and also four assists in that game as well. I want to talk about the referee, you know, calling that game. I thought the referees were horrible, me personally. But on these calls that James Harden was tripping about, I, I, you could, in Chris Paul too, they were literally kicking their feet towards the Warriors to get the call. Uh, I thought a lot of that was BS. I'm going to be completely honest that James Harden was preaching. And I, I personally thought, they were trying to force those fouls with gimmicky, you know, leg movements and stuff like that, personally. Which Chris Paul and James Harden are known for that. So it's really not really a surprise, personally. But me, personally, I thought that, you know, they were just trying a little bit too hard. And to me, it was obvious. And I think that's why they didn't get the call, because it was obvious. And the NBA and the refs have caught on to, hey, look, they're trying to kick their feet out so they can get a, you know, three-point play. Um, but me personally, I thought that that was a very entertaining game. It gave me hope. 
I think the Rockets are really going to compete with the Warriors the whole I think this is going to seven, y'all. I think this is going to seven. I'm going to come out and say it right now. Because if the Warriors win this game, they're going to win a, they're going to win a championship. Wrap rock it wrap it out. It's it's over. If they win this if they win this series cuz I think Houston's the only team that stands a chance against the Warriors. Portland, no. Two guys against four great guys, no. It's not happening. I mean, Portland, I mean, war with See the thing with the Rockets is that they have really really <laughs> And Capella's having a down year. But you could really argue they have two great guys and then two really good, really good guys in Eric Gordon and Clint Capella. But you got to think about with the Warriors, they have three great guys and then one really good guy. So to me, the Warriors and the Rockets match up the best with each other. So that's why I feel like if the Rockets don't beat them, nobody's going to beat them. They're just not. They're not going to be beaten this year. You might as well just hand them the ring after the series. Because I just feel like with Portland, obviously with Norkis being hurt as well, that doesn't help their cause. But C.J. McCollum and 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 you know Lillard are not going to be able to beat Steph, KD, especially the way KD is playing right now, and then also Clay and Draymond. It's just it's just not happening. It's not happening. So that's just how I personally feel about that one. Uh, but this, I think this series is going to be real interesting, man. I personally have it going to seven. I think Warriors in seven. I think Warriors going to go ahead and go to the championship and win it all, man. Like I said, I, I got the Warriors going all the way, man. But that basically covers up the, um, you know, basketball NBA playoff segment. Um, once it heats up for real, because like I said, I always kind of consider the second round like basically like the real playoffs, you know, I really don't consider the first round real playoffs, but now we, we really in the playoffs now. We really in the playoffs for real, for real now. So I think that's going to be clutch. And uh, you guys let me know, what do you think about the Philadelphia 76ers chances against Toronto? Will they be closed out also as well? Did you think that some of the Houston, uh, Houston, you know, was getting some bad calls and things such as that? Let me know, man. But next I do want to jump into some popular culture things and everything that's going on right now. And I did want to say rest in peace to a great movie filmmaker, John Singleton. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. All right, what's up, you guys? And we are back on the Talks with T-Time podcast here, episode four. And uh, I just teased this unfortunate news that dropped today. Um, legendary, um, really, movie maker, John Singleton passes away at the age of 51. Really sad situation. John Singleton is legendary. I mean, he's made so many great movies. I mean, higher education, higher learning. I mean, it's just a lot of good movies that he's really made. Um, and, you know, condolences to him and his family. But I do want to read the article a little bit. It says, John, John has passed away after suffering a stroke earlier this month. Shortly after it was reported that he was in a coma, many celebrities have been sharing their fondest memories with John as they continue to lift him in prayer. On Monday, it was revealed that he was on life support and unresponsive, according to Variety. His family released a statement saying that we are grateful to his fans friends, and also colleagues for the outpouring of the love and prayer during this incredibly difficult time. We want to thank all of the doctors at, and then they named the, um, the uh, Cedar sinai um, for the impeccable care he's received. John is known for directing some of the most iconic films in our culture. 
And he really is, man. I mean, him passing away is just, I mean, he's up there with the Spike Lee's of the world. And I think Spike Lee also actually shouted him out as well. Um, he is one of those guys that is really well known when it comes to just, you know, the the music in, I mean, the uh, movie industry and things such as that. He is a well, well, well known guy. And it's just really an unfortunate situation. I mean, he made Boys in the Hood, Higher Learning. I mean, this is just some of the great movies that he's made in the past, you know, in the 90s and things such as that. This guy was a movie genius, and it really just, you know, it's really just sad to see another great life gone at a pretty young age as well. I mean, very young age, man. So it's just kind of sad to hear about situations like that. 51 years old. I mean, to, to many people, that sounds like old, but that's really not that old, to be completely honest with you. And for him to be having a stroke and passed away, just very unfortunate situation. Uh, prayers to his family, friends, and loved ones, man. We really wish you the best. And, you know, obviously, just in their time of grieving, just be praying for that family. Also, as well, I did want to talk a little bit about Cameron and Jay-Z. Um, you know, it's honestly good to see that these guys have patched up, you know, some prior beefs this weekend. They actually took the stage together and really it was it was a great moment because they've been beefing for so long. Um, it was just really great to see those two, you know, come together. And it's, it was just a tremendous, especially for you guys that love lyrics and rap lyrical, like very lyrical rap and old school rap back in the 90s. This was a great thing to see. Cameron and Jay-Z come together. I was super happy about it. I was super excited about it. I thought it was really dope. And I know if you're from like the New York City area, you really thought it was dope. So it was just really dope to see that, man. Super excited about that. And also as well, I got to talk about y'all's president, Donald Trump. Donald Trump sent out a tweet. Um, Congratulations, second, uh, second pick in the draft, um, Nick Bosa to the San Francisco 49ers. And it's it's a little controversy behind this. And I really think it was more so a troll job by um, you guys, President and uh, Donald Trump. Basically, Trump went on to say that, uh, you know, basically giving him congrats about getting drafted. A lot of people don't know, but Nick Bosa actually made some kind of racial type, you know, tweets about, you know, Colin Kaepernick and the whole movement and things such as that. Uh, you know, when Colin Kaepernick first started back in like 2016, 2017, when things such as that start taking place, he made comments about that. And I'm guessing that Donald Trump caught wind of that. And in support of Donald Trump, you know, Nick Bosa got a, a tweet from, you know, the general himself. Um, me personally, I thought that was a troll job. I think he knew that that was going to upset a lot of people. He knew he had some type of underlying message behind that. And that's why he did it. Let's just be completely honest. That's really why he did it. He knew it was going to get everybody riled up. Like I said, he's one, Trump is one of those guys. He knows what to get people riled up. And he did it again. So that's just, last, that's just, that's just how Trump does things. And then last but not least, it's actually a video of a teen, you know, vandalizing a Nipsey Hussle uh, mural. And it surfaced online. Um... It actually, I believe, took place in Connecticut, um, in Hartford, Connecticut. Yep, I was right. Um, and a lot of people are not excited about it. Um, this girl that goes by the name of KK uh, can be seen in the, uh, you know, in the video, basically just writing derogatory, you know, derogatory things, 
you know, on the Nipsey hustle. It was just really disturbing. Um, like I said, it's just really sad to see that guy can't rest in peace. People bringing up his name for clout, you know, obviously rappers and regular people, people, you know, now, you know, writing stuff on his murals and stuff like that. It's just a really bad situation and it really sucks. And I just really would really, really, really just please if y'all didn't hear anything I said, let Nipsey Hussle rest in peace, man. I would just love for y'all to just let him rest in peace and let him live his, you know, let him, you know, rest in peace, man. He's he's passed away now. He's deceased. Let him just, you know, rest in peace and let his family be able to grieve properly without doing stuff like this, man. It's really just despicable, man. But, um, you guys, that ends out the episode four of the podcast, man. This will probably be dropping soon here, and then we'll be dropping more. If you guys have the link in the bio, please continue to subscribe to my podcast. I really do appreciate you guys' help. Man, we're out.